0: Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Undeniable Future Podcast. It's Lee Matzinga here. My boy Justice. How's it going? Episode eight. Back at it again. Oh man, you know how we do. Brand new sound. Ooh. Y'all y- y- sound clean,
1: man. Appreciate Uh-oh. it. We sound clean.
0: I sound audio, clean, too. The audio
1: engineers over here saying, Y'all sound clean. <laughs> Tap yourself on the back yo. Like, oh, I'm hey, doing good out hey. here. Hey.
2: I sound clean too because last couple episodes I was in the background, like I was in like a, in the trunk or something, you know what I'm saying? So
0: now it's like, <laughs> yeah. I feel it. Man we in got the, the shadows. Crowd. Hey yo, hey yo, Big Steve, give us the crowd one time, man. We got to shout out the crowd, man. Hey. <laughs> yo, you got to <laughs> work They're on they those drops. Where are my us, applause? Hey. There we go. Shout out to my people in the back, shout out to my people in the back, bro. There we go. There we go. I see boy, the blue, bro. I see you, dog. I see you. We're going to get right back into it again this week.
1: (laughs) Talking about- You
2: know, you people are getting on my nerve.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yo, tell people to quiet down. We got a show. We got a show to run right now.
0: Yeah. All right, let's get it.
1: We're going back to uh, ownership again. Last week, we talked about ownership. This week, we talked about ownership. Next week, we're going to talk about ownership again. Mm. We're talking about uh, 19 black families in Georgia. Yep. Buying 97 acres so they can have land excluded from oppression. And a place where they feel like they can live and be safe. How do you feel about that?
0: Land excluded from oppression?
1: They're excluded from oppression. They feel like the neighbors they're living in aren't suited to what they want.
0: Well, okay, all right. First of all, there's hella black people in Atlanta, all over Atlanta. Whether you want to be around rich black people, poor black people, middle class black people, Mm -hmm. you can find them. So if they're trying to make their own black area, that's fine with me. If you own the land, you can do whatever you want with your land. It's your choice.
1: And it was crazy to me when I first saw the story, because it was just like, I couldn't imagine a group of people just buying that much land and saying that it's only for one race. But it's not a new thing, because historically it happened in the 1800s where black people were getting kicked out of neighborhoods. And when they're getting kicked out, this happened in Alabama, where they started all these communities where it was only black, not because they decided, like, you know what, we don't want white people here. It's Mm -hmm. because all these people got kicked out of white neighborhoods. So it was by necessity.
0: Black Wall Street took a black man who said, hey, I want to just create a black community. So it's not the first time that it will be happening. Uh, I feel like a lot of people are going to get mad, you know, people who are always wanting diversity everywhere. They're the ones who are going to get angry about this, even though it's black people. But I, I don't know. How do you feel about that? Do you think every, we should have diversity everywhere? All around, people should do whatever they want to do. If you want to put your money towards buying
1: 97 acres of land and move into people that you relate to, people that you care about, then go ahead and do it. I would move in there because I feel like it's in, it's valuable to meet different people, yeah, to yourself different cultures and intermingle. But if that's what you want, right, just go ahead and do it. It's your
0: money. For me, this kind of reminds me of the uh, Supreme Court decision uh, of the two gay people that wanted to get get married and they want to get that wedding cake. Mm. And they weren't pretty much the store told them that they wouldn't serve them because they don't serve gay people because of their Christian values. Um, I think personally, just from capitalist point of view, I think that that's dumb because if you don't want to serve gay people, that's your prerogative. But all the gay people and gay allies can now make the decision that they don't want to support you. So now your business is going to suffer because of your, you know, your, your your hate for, for whoever it may be. In this case, if it's black people, if they just want black people in that area, I'm sure there are rich white people that might be like, hey, this is a nice area, who want to live there. So you're kind of looking at it as like as a business venture. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I don't think they're doing it for business. I think it's more of just like a, you're almost sacrificing the chance of living somewhere else where it's more secure, it's already established, the school's built already, and you're starting your whole new thing. So I don't think they're doing it for profit. That's not what I assume.
0: I mean, I would, okay, that's fair. But I would assume that somebody there, like these 19 families are buying up all this land, right? Yeah. And they want black people to come live there. So I would assume those black people are going to pay per each lot of land that they buy. Yeah. So somebody's going to profit. Yeah, they're paying per, I think it's per
1: head. Once you come in, you bring your kids, like each person has to have like a certain quota; they have to reach. On oh,
2: okay. the, the 19 families, the people that are moving into that area, did they just buy land for black people or are they the ones buying it to move into it?
1: No, the acres were already purchased, but yeah. now the people who come in, they have to like I guess, supplement what was already spent. So it was like a million dollars that is spent. You have to cover that and 19 families are coming in now.
2: Oh, oh, I thought 19 families got together and put money up for 497 acres and say, you know what, we're going to split this evenly uh, among us, and then we're just going to-
1: Yeah, yeah it's even split m- evenly, but like, as more families come in, uh, yeah, like, that cut becomes smaller and smaller for each one. It's <laughs> more affordable.
0: It's quota? For like, uh, oh, you're asking like about like Rachel
1: Dozal? Right?
0: Yeah. Like, so, what qualifies Dozo? Black moving in? Rachel Dozal will be the first person to put in an application, bro. I, I
1: think it's a great idea, because I, I respect the idea of having ownership of your own your own home, your own land. But I really think the idea of them separating themselves is because you talk about Black Wall Street. Mm -hmm. When they had Black Wall Street, they had banks that were separate from the U.S. banking system. They had schools that were separate from the U.S. schooling system. So Black Wall Street and that community, it allowed them to live insulated from outside pressure and outside influence, you know what
0: I mean? That's impossible to do in today's world, though. That's the problem
1: now, because you can build a house now in this community on these Mm -hmm. uh, 97 acres you're still paying the same property tax everyone else in georgia is paying you're still probably in the same uh same elections it's still politicians it still, same has, politicians, same it still has to be
0: built by white people probably plumbed by white business probably no but i i, I think
1: with the uh the
2: i don't know how what what the what the i guess strategy was with these 19 families but if you guys know there's black owned businesses in around in atlanta everywhere right in georgia yeah so they could find a black, uh, I guess you said, plumbing uh, company or uh, carpentry or like building company or whatever, right? Like, yeah. like they could just employ everything black to build that community. And mm. when they when it comes to policing that community, I but think does, they want to have a say in who is able to come. But, here, in, and, but they already have a say. Here's the thing
0: when it comes to black-owned business, right? Mm-hmm. To run a business, you have to work with other people and other businesses. So- I don't think in today's world, especially in North America, you can do anything that is completely black owned. So, to say that you can have a black owned business come and do your plumbing or whatever, yeah, okay, that makes sense. But they have to get the resources from somewhere. They have to. So, they can work with black people, absolutely. But for it to be completely black owned and completely black run is pretty difficult to do. I
1: think they could do it for sure. They can go completely black owned, but what I see is like at the end of the day, you're still paying those same taxes, regardless of if you're black owned or not, <laughs> to the same it goes to regime that you're complaining about. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, I'm always in support of people having ownership of their own, their own property, their own businesses. And I think there's a great opportunity for these black families to be able to set up a situation where they're in complete control of the industry around them. But the problem I see is if you're leaving where you're currently living right now, whether this, these families are coming from Chicago or Georgia itself, no matter where you go in America, you're still paying American taxes. You still have an American senator, an American governor, an American president. And no matter where you go, those same forces that are systematically oppressive to you, that you see as systematically oppressive, are still going to exist. So no matter where you go, even if you hire only black-owned businesses to build these houses, black-owned plumbers, black-owned teachers in the schools, or sorry, not black teachers in the schools, you still have to operate under the same system. You can't get the same separation that they did... uh, they got in Black Wall Street and Tulsa, Oklahoma. You can't do that anymore in 2020.
0: Yeah, and what if a white kid wants to join one of the black schools? We well, just can't. What do you
1: mean you just can't? <laughs> I mean, I guess that's how the rule's going to work. There's I an all-black community, so I'm assuming they're not going to
0: let uh, white people move in or go to their schools or... No matter how their much their they fought that. I mean, I guess that depends on zoning rules and stuff, but I don't see that really working. I think there's going to be certain people that just want to tear this apart just to tear it apart. You know what happened to those, uh, those old communities in the 1900s? Those black-owned communities?
1: Imminent domain. The governor showed up and said that, oh, we need this land to build railroads or whatever excuse yep. they had, tore it down. Yep. It might we'll not find be so black and white it. now, but they're going to
0: find some way. Especially in Georgia, right? You have so many people with Republican and far-right views that do you, that do you think those people are just going to sin, let this happen? I don't know. You guys
2: think it's kind of hypocritical for black people to want to break into white spaces but then be able to create their own black spaces?
0: Yeah, absolutely. If you want to create your own completely black space and then you're saying because we're not being pushed in white spaces, if you just want to do things as just black people, your success, you limit your success. There's only 40 million black people in the United States. So if you really want to be successful, you have to you have to go for a wider range of people, Mm -hmm. right? You're limiting your own self and your own business, whether, even if it's purposeful. So I think black people know that. I don't think we're we're confused about that. I think we're pretty sure that even if we did start our own things and do everything completely on our own, that that also takes us out of the spaces where we can succeed the most. I like the question you asked though, because you took it to this like logical conclusion saying that these
1: black families can say that we want a black only community who's to say that white people can't do it. A white family in Georgia can or, say, you know what, this whole area right here is white yeah. only mm-hmm. and you can't protest because you're doing the same thing over there. You exactly. can't do that. Right. You know what I'm saying? So,
2: so what what we fought for, like with the whole civil rights thing was that we had that segregation, like apartheid, all the, all these other places when we, when we were uh, fighting for civil rights, that was one of our main things is that we don't want to have a black side of the street. We don't want to have, just this restaurant serves black people only and that one serves white people only right yeah so when we start having communities that are going to be oh this is exclusively black community uh, uh isn't that kind of like counter yeah what we fought for
0: i remember you know boy barack obama saying there is no white america there is no black america there's just one america and that really makes me wonder i got i guess i got a kind of question for you guys on top of that do you think that do you think that black people in America don't want to be Americans? I mean, we're black people here sitting in Canada, so it's not like we're really connected to this question, but do you guys think they, they still want to be a part of the country? Or do you think at this point with this much division that black people are about sick and tired of trying to be a part of a system that they feel doesn't care about them? There's a problem of grouping people together, though, as like, one monolith saying like,
1: oh, yeah. black people in America yeah. think this. Yeah. There are black yeah. Americans who will tell you right now, I believe in separation. I think we should have our completely own nation, completely own law, the same way we have uh, Indian reserves in America, Yeah, where you're not governed by the same government. But there's some Americans right now who say that I'm an American. I believe in society. We mm-hmm. can do better. We can improve ourselves. So I can't make a decision saying that, like, you know what? This is good. This is bad for black Americans. Because amongst themselves, there's not one like hive mind. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, well, that's what I was asking for you. Do you believe that... Well, I guess I was asking, do you believe that that's what black Americans want? I don't know, because the, I've spoken to The majority of black Americans? Yeah, the I guess, yeah, the majority of black Americans. Do you think they want to be in America?
2: I think there's no other place where black Americans would thrive the way they do uh, in the world than America. But then it's not uh, a place that is... They, they, they face so much shit or oh, stuff that they, they got to put up with. <laughs>
1: you can put uh, the bleep button on that. Uh, I worry. got you. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just threw me off my point. But yeah, there's so much stuff that's going on around them that mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, it becomes a question of uh, uh, if we were to go anywhere else in the world, what would we have to sacrifice from what we gain from being in America? Yeah. And what's there to gain from other side? It's not like everyone else is peaceful. You
0: know that's, what I'm saying? That's Everybody exactly go- uh, Thomas Sowell's point, right? Thomas Sowell says, hey, you look at America, yes, black people have gone through a lot of terrible things, whether it be slavery, Jim Crow, and those things are wrong. I don't want what I'm saying to get misconstrued, but black people in America have succeeded more and have the opportunity to succeed more than black people in a lot of places around the world, especially if you're comparing them to their African brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. right? So somebody like LeBron James complaining about not having enough, like and complaining about all the things that are happening in the black community. Yep. You're also looking at a guy who's a multimillionaire, has the chance of becoming a billionaire and he's the one complaining. And that can kind of seem weird to see somebody who has so much success complaining about black people not having any success. It kind of puts you in a
1: tough spot, too, like thinking about these kind of issues, because you don't want to say that somebody just because they have success, because they have the money, they can't complain. But obviously, when you look at black people in America, you can't tell somebody that, okay, you know, if you don't like it, leave then. Mm -hmm. Because if you know the history of black people in America, obviously, all three of us here sitting here know Mm-hmm. most black Americans didn't decide, like, you know what? We're going to go to America. It wasn't 1654, yeah. Like that's, that's not what was happening. You know what I mean? So you could technically, if you don't like the country so much, you think it's so racist, all right, go to Liberia, go to Zimbabwe, go to Nigeria. But that's not possible. But at the same time, the people who are making these complaints and these statements need to understand that while you're asking for these improvements, while you're voicing your opinion, and rightfully so, understand that where you are right now is not where you were 100 years ago. That's because people actually put work in day-to-day, mm-hmm. year after year, to make sure that Black people in America were not enslaved. Black people in America could vote. And we're going to continue to move forward. But don't forget that we're not at the same place we were 200 years ago. Don't pretend like
0: Black Americans are treated like animals. That's why, the same way I, they were that's why I'm a huge believer in the Constitution. right? And that's why I tear apart countries like Zimbabwe or whatever, and I say... You have a constitution where you can change it that much. What are people's actual rights in that situation? So if you look at the United States, black people can look at the constitution and say, hey, this is what I'm being promised by the constitution that's supposed to, that represents me. Why is it that I don't have these things? Sir Frederick Douglass said about uh, July
1: 4th. Yes. He's like, I'm willing to celebrate this. But the mm-hmm. reason I'm not going to celebrate it this year is because you're not living up the promises you made. Absolutely. The promises I'll celebrate it, but until yeah. then I'm not
0: going to celebrate. So when you, when I hear black separatists and they say, we don't want to be a part of America anymore. In my mind, I'm thinking, but the constitution that already exists, protects you and it, you have those rights. It's your job as an American to fight for those rights, but they do exist. Just as much your country as anybody else's.
1: Exactly. Yeah, you descended from the country from three hundred years. I bet Lebron's more American than like the Kennedy family. Where are they? The Irish. Yeah. From Ireland. Mm -hmm. You could assume Lebron's family has more generations in the country of America than the Kennedy family, which is the most like stereotypical American family you can think of. Mm. But I don't think Lebron feels as American as the Kennedys do. And that's not really his fault. That's but. not
0: his fault. That's because his country doesn't make him feel like an American. We're always bringing up LeBron too. But I, yeah, We're always bringing up LeBron, but in general, just any black American, right? Yeah, for sure. And I think, that's, I think we, we've kind of brought it up in the past. Even the way America talks about people, like the way we categorize people, we say black American, Asian American. But if you're white, you're an American. You're not Italian American. You're not Italian American. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? You're not Irish American. So you have these people who they want to be a part of a country that cares about them. They believe, I really do think most black people believe that their country cares about them and that they can be, well, their constitution protects them and that they can be a part of this country. It's just that they're not being given the same opportunities as everybody else.
1: You know, we're talking about opportunities between races and black people in America being the underserved class. Yeah. Kind of flip it upside down. I know you know what's going on in Zimbabwe right now with uh, land repropriation. Yeah. And they're trying to plan to give the uh, land back to white farmers by their land taken away in 2001.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You want to kind of uh,
0: give us a quick uh, overlay of what's going on over there? Yeah. uh, Back when... Mugabe was president of Zimbabwe. He decided, him and his party, the ZANU party, decided that they wanted to expropriate the land that white people had and give it back to the black people who are the original people of the land. Yeah, natives. The original natives of the land, Mm -hmm. yeah. After that happened, a lot of people, anytime land expropriation happens, there is a lot of economic... Um, downfalls that follow. And Mnangagwa is now trying to use that and say, hey, we're going to give white people back their land, probably because he's trying to get some of the sanctions lifted or whatever. He has some political benefit for doing this. Mm -hmm. And black people are really mad, especially a lot of the black people I'm talking to from Zimbabwe or wherever. They are not (laughs) happy about the idea of him giving the land that was given back to black people now back to white people. I don't know how you guys feel. I mean, the reason he's
1: doing it, it makes sense from a political standpoint because I think it was the German government that, uh, that came to Zimbabwe and had this uh, investment plan where you don't feel comfortable investing as an investor, a foreign investor, knowing that if I buy a building, for example, and it's my private property, you're allowed as a government in Zimbabwe to take that land away from me. So they were saying prove to me that when someone has private land and they pay for that land that land is secure Mm -hmm. so now to kind of like show a show of goodwill gaga wants to go back and find those white farmers and either repay them or give them the land back but now all he's doing is redoing what he did in 2001 or what mugabe did in 2001 he's doing it to black farmers yeah and saying it's okay but, but because it's happening to black farmers, I think like the Germans, the British, and the Americans right now are watching it happen and saying like, "Oh, it's cool."
2: No, but it, I it think like. from a uh, uh, economic standpoint, it makes sense because we were uh, uh, the bread basket, uh, bread basket of Africa, mm-hmm. at the time, and I mean we had sanctions hit on us for like e- exporting and stuff like that. But even internally, our farming was not the standard that it was when we had those, uh, I guess, foreign foreigners as farmers right it was the business aspect of it was different than when it was predominantly black farmers most people were not doing the farming the way at the the same level that it was being done to sustain the whole country and give you enough food to a point but now you got exporting food to every other country that's starving in Africa and building economy that way
0: right yeah people should get well I guess this is my belief people Mm -hmm. should get paid or should get benefits for their skill and ability exactly so, if you are a black farmer, and we're just going to put a black farmer there, but there was a white farmer whose skill and ability was higher, we're talking about food. We need to feed people. Yep. Period. Right. So, if that's what we're talking about here, then why is it that you would kick somebody off of that land who's doing a great job at farming, whatever they may be, whatever they may be growing? It in? was.
2: It was. It wasn't that uh, black and white. It was. Uh, there was a lot more tied into it than just black and uh, or, or black farmers or white farmers mm. it was more um the, the the people that did fight for the land the people that went for to war mm-hmm. realized that we don't have arable land right so the white farmers were not completely innocent uh, of any wrongdoing in that aspect where by now they own all the the good land and we don't have anything to plant our own so we gotta live off what you guys are able to give us you yeah. know what I'm saying so with the, uh being able to give people back the land so they make it fair okay? mm. if we're gonna have 80 acres per farm make it 80 acres per farm whether you're black or white right yeah make do that in that
0: case in that case i completely agree with you mm-hmm. but then i would say okay if we don't have black farmers who are as skilled at farming as the white farmers wherever they may be from oh we do i well, I'm just, I'm just, oh, yeah. uh, hypothetically? this is all hypothetical. Okay, I'm okay. about to say right now <laughs> if they don't, if we don't have black farmers who are as skilled as the white farmers who are there, yes, then why don't we train the black farmers who are there to be just as skilled, right? I think that's a huge problem that we have when we go into what people like to call a third world. We're like, oh, hey, we're going to give you guys resources like food and whatnot, mm-hmm. but we don't teach you how to use those resources. So if you have these white farmers who have owned this land for so long, that means you have black people who are not farming. Those black people, even if there are a few who can farm very well, right? Mm -hmm. then what you also do is you put them in a position now over the long haul where farming is no longer something that they are as skilled at doing than the white farmers. Was they pass it on Generational
2: The issue that happened Was they were not giving it To the best black farmers
0: Mm.
2: They took the land And gave it to Cronies Exactly They gave it to They gave gave it it to to their friends Exactly Right Mm. So if we were Like I I went to a school In in Zimbabwe Where agriculture Was like really Huge And we had to do All these projects And stuff like that Right And people actually Get taught from like How to do management All this stuff Right But Mm. all the people That do focus on that And then And you're taking up university Or whatever yeah, They're not yeah, the exactly ones who are getting the that. farms. You know what I'm saying? Those people are the ones who are now who don't have jobs because there's greedy people who have taken up all the land and then and, and they don't have any of the skill that's required to sustain an economy through agriculture.
1: So that brings up the question, like, how, how important is responsibility socially and then economic growth? So, for example, let's go back okay. to the United States, right? You have Donald Trump as president right now and his whole thing is make America great again, America first, And his idea is, why are we moving to Mexico, going to China, going to Thailand to manufacture our goods? Even though it's more efficient, how about American jobs? Let's bring them back regardless of the cost and figure it out. So going back to Zimbabwe now, if you're a Zimbabwean and you're looking at people in the nation saying like, oh, the most efficient farmers happen to be white Mm -hmm. or happen to be Indian or Chinese. Mm -hmm. We don't really care who the most efficient farmers are. This is Zimbabwe. Let's Let's find Zimbabweans to run our farms in
0: Zimbabwe. Some of the, well, we, I, I might, I'm i pretty sure I'm right here. I may be wrong, but I mean, Steve, I guess you can correct me. Some of the white farmers that were taken off of that land were Zimbabwean citizens. Were they black Zimbabwean citizens? I mean- uh, Well, I'm, I'm just saying, were Zimbabwean citizens.
2: <laughs> so, there's, there's, so most of the farmers came from the Rhodesian, uh, 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 I guess when Zimbabwe was still Rhodesia?
0: I get that point, but exactly. were they Zimbabwean citizens so when, we, when
2: their land was taken from them? Well, I mean, yeah, because when, when, yeah. when, when Rhodesia became Zimbabwe, I guess everybody became a Zimbabwean citizen at that point, right? Okay. I don't think they were looked at as, because before- Because that's the
0: same issue South Africa's having, right? Mm-hmm. The black people say, hey, this is our land. White people have been there like, uh, we've been here for generations.
2: I know, but they, that's like the, that becomes the whole native thing now.
0: Yep, right. For sure. so, yeah, right. So, and it's like, I think there's. It's like there's that's why there's, I asked
2: if it's black yeah. Zimbabweans
1: because it's pretty clear cut. If you're in Zimbabwe and you see someone with black it's skin. black. That's a Zimbabwean. Yeah. There's no white skin Zimbabweans. Like, oh, yeah, I've been here for mm-hmm. seven generations. But if you
2: ask that white farmer, right? They are. They, like they them, will tell you I'm they, Zimbabwean. They, 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 that's all they know. So, here's the thing. Yeah. If if you're born, like, uh, I was just talking about this with my little brother, right? We went to that curry uh, bowl and mm. I was explaining that, oh, yeah, I'm from Zimbabwe. And then that is like. I pointed at him. He goes, oh, "I'm from Canada,
0: mm-hmm.
2: right?" He identifies as Canadian, like that's who he is. Yeah. He doesn't know anything about what Zimbabwe looks like or anything like that. Same mm-hmm. thing as those white farmers that were on those farms because they were born in Rhodesia, they grew up in Rhodesia, and they had these farms in Rhodesia. And then the, after the land was, uh, I mean, after the the war was came came to an end, and yeah. we had a new country, they kept those farms for another eighteen. 19 years mm-hmm. as Zimbabwe. So they just felt like, Oh, we are Zimbabweans. We are the Zimbabwean farmers. And yep. they had all these Zimbabwean farming, I guess, uh, um, I guess the companies that were give, giving them like uh, resources and stuff like that. Bank loans. They were doing everything from a Zimbabwean standpoint. Mm-hmm. But now when the land was taken from them, they were told that, yo, you're not native to
0: this land. Yeah. we are taking the land back. In America, you have the slavery. Right, Mm -hmm. a lot of the plantation owners, their families continue to be rich and continue to build wealth. Some of them are still rich today. So, do we blame the the descendants of those people for that slavery? Sorry, descendants of the slave owners. No, they're not. Do like that's what I'm saying. So, like people who are rich now mm -hmm. that are Americans because their families. Had plantations and built that wealth over time, mm-hmm. so they took advantage of black people, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and that's how they got their wealth. Yep. Today, they still have that wealth. Do we, do we hold a grudge on those people today, and say, "Hey, you benefited from slavery"?
1: I don't know who you mean by "we," but if you turn on CNN, somebody's holding them accountable. People aren't forgetting about this. It's not like people forgotten. Yeah. Like, oh, you know what? It is what it is. Yeah. It's well, like,
0: I'm, well, I'm saying from a so policy standpoint, y- here's a, th- should I, we hold them accountable when I it think, comes to policy?
1: I think what's being
2: what's being, what, what they're being held accountable for is the marginalization that they've now created after they've benefited from all this uh, uh, oppression. Okay. Right. So, what is you make a hundred million dollars off using black labor, and then you're now marginalizing black people now to come up? That's what. To, these are not your ancestors. Now, this is you yeah. doing this. Right, yeah. And this is your problem. So give okay. people the same opportunity or if there's going to be reparations like you understand that the wealth you've built over time was based on these people's free labor. Right? Yeah. So allow those people's descendants to also come up. Don't keep holding them down. That's what they're being held accountable for in my opinion. You
0: remember when we were just talking about that white land. We mm-hmm. said okay, like, hey if people make black land in Georgia mm-hmm. and it's just black land. Then what is that? How can we stop white people from doing the exact same thing? Yep. But, well, I don't think this is a, a score to settle with like
1: farmers in Zimbabwe saying, like, you know what? I don't think these policy, white farmers I don't were think undone. Black farmers. Through revenge, yeah. I think this policy is only to prove to foreign investment that if you invest in Zimbabwe, if you invest in land here, your mm-hmm. land is secure. This is how yeah. we're going to prove it. I don't think this is any move to like improve farming in Zimbabwe, improve the well being of black farmers, white farmers. I don't think they care about that. It's about proving your ability to secure investments. So if you yeah. put money into Zimbabwe, Will take care of it, and this is their only way of proving. It. I guess that's the biggest. But I'm saying, like, with with, with
2: them allowing white farmers to come back, they're now opening up a lot of, uh, uh, I guess, farming like grants and stuff like that. They had been blocked from them because of the civil rights violation or oh, human rights violation, whatever they classified that as when they were putting those sanctions? sanctions. Yes, yeah. So when those sanctions gets lifted, that means those farmers now have access to the banks that do give them
1: enough uh, resources that we didn't have access to right they did have the law where they right? said like i think 70 of um of every industry has to be zimbabwean mm-hmm. like natural zimbabwean and i think eventually that's going to be lifted in the next few years where they're going to say you know what if you're chinese and you want to come into the mining industry you're allowed to come in now oh, man. you're indian you want to come in so yeah. you're gonna have way more people from all around the world coming to zimbabwe which is good for the economy if the government's not corrupt but what's happening now is we're gonna have the foreign investment coming in And who's getting that money now? That's the question. Yeah, but are they going to come? Because
2: now when we look at a social uh, standpoint, we just had this whole Zimbabwean Lives Matter thing uh, a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Um, That's also going to turn away people because now you're doing this to your own people who are speaking up, right? So yes, you're getting a... uh, So yes, you're securing the... um, bag for people who are coming in for investors but those people the same investors also have very opinionated views and people that are going to come with them to speak about what's happening in the country when they do invest in it right so if you're going to be arresting people for being outspoken and putting them in jail that's also going to turn away those same people that you're trying to appease by uh giving away all this land unless
1: they agree with you ideologically I mean, the CCP, the Chinese government. If you look at their policies oh, yeah, and the Zimbabwean true. policies, they're not looking at Zimbabwe saying like, "Oh, you're so oppressive to your people." They don't care; they care less. Yeah. The Russian government's not looking at Zimbabwe saying like, "You're so oppressive." Oh, I, I, like, I
2: thought you're talking about the white farmers from like the uh, Australia, oh, like Germany, and, and, and U.S., Germany, U.S. And yeah. America, yeah, I thought that's the ones you're talking about, but I mean, you're talking about the Russia and and, and China, yeah, yeah. You guys
1: are in the same boat? I'm not even talking <laughs> about farmers. I'm yeah. looking at more at like the mining industry, gold, diamonds. Because I don't think Zimbabwe's farming is ever going to get back to where it was, like in the early 2000s, late 1990s. Well,
0: I, I think for Zimbabwe to honestly come back and grow, they need foreign investment, right? Where It's already a country that runs off of foreign investment. So for them to actually get the growth they want, people need to come into, the, into Zimbabwe that are not Zimbabweans and be like, hey, I want to invest in building something here. Yep. I want to do this and this here. So I, I do understand what you're saying, but from just a straight economic standpoint, if Zimbabwe wants to grow, it has to allow foreign people to build there. Because once you build something, like let's say you build a mall, right? Mm-hmm. You build a mall, like join a city or whatever. When you build that mall, yep. that's somewhere people can go. People can put their businesses in. Yep. So it allows the people who are there to now make more money. It builds those areas; they become nicer. Mm-hmm. So, it, whose it's, pockets it's the tough. money going into? That's the question. No, the corruption, the corruption completely to? gets in the way of anything that may that may sound right in my mind. Exactly, is right what I'm saying. We are forgetting we, 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 forget we talk corruption. about Zimbabwe right now. Yeah, because <laughs>
1: we could have yeah. 800 million dollars of foreign investment come in out of nowhere, and mm. then we look at people dating in Zimbabwe a year from then, and it's all the same. And I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. So this for investment, all these plans, all these moves being made right now, I don't think it's for the people because I've seen the people in leadership right now, I don't think they care. And if they do care, they're not showing it. So There was a yeah, time absolutely. when
2: there was like a surge in like uh, in Marange where by people were finding diamonds everywhere. And then the government basically put a military f- fence around it and had the military like actually guard it and they got all wow. the diamonds. I think it was like worth 2 billion dollars some US I'm at like that. Oh man. And then you're like, yo, so where did the money go? The community never saw it? <laughs> I don't That's, think we saw yeah. it. I mean, I don't know what the allocation for the funds were, but I mean, from someone who was there at the time and seeing people who had like... Because people, people started finding and they go selling in South Africa, right? They don't bring back, come back home with like trucks and like start uh, businesses like tuck shops or anything like yeah. where they were selling food.
0: People will create a black market if there's corruption because and, they don't want to, because they know they're not going to be able to benefit from their own resources.
2: Exactly. So when that, when that happened the government went and shut it, it off, right? So they had the military there if you're going to go, basically it's like Area 51, you can't break into it. You get break we're going to shoot you down. That's what it is, right? And so all the people were in this area had to like not go get those diamonds. So if you're late, you're late. And then Okay, so what happened to the diamonds?
1: <laughs> oh. I can tell they're not thinking long-term because if you're a government, it's in your best interest to get rid of that black market, see these people are selling diamonds and say, you know what? We're going to help you build your industry so that five years from now, you're not protesting the streets. Five years from now, you're not living off of us. Five years from now, your community is not decimated with cholera. Yeah. But in their mind, they're saying, oh, there's diamonds? Oh, it's for us.
0: We well, have to understand that this, uh, you, this idea of land expropriation of white people is it's not just in Zimbabwe, right? Like we've been talking about Zimbabwe for a while now. It's, it's also across Africa and especially
1: in South Africa. Yeah, I was reading in The Economist, it was uh, the stat? 30% of the world, of people in the world mm. have land titles. So 70% of people in the world do not own the property or the land they live on. Wow. Which means 70% of people, like we're talking about COVID right now, mm-hmm. could be evicted or could be kicked off the property or somebody could just like tear down where they live. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't sound as crazy for us here living in Canada, but if you're like a woman living in sub-Saharan Africa, right? Yeah. If you're divorced, you no longer have any land. You no longer have anything. That's it for you. So for some people, it's that real. Where owning your land, if you could own land, it would change everything. But you not owning land means that you have to rely on a husband. Like if someone's treating you poorly, you can't divorce your husband if you're in living a, in certain in countries. In a capitalist
0: world, land ownership is power. And people who say, okay, we don't, have to, we don't necessarily live in a capitalist world are probably wrong. Because that's how almost every country. Those people every country functions at this point. Right? So... The land is power so when we come from when you see immigrants go to foreign lands and they go there and then they they work hard they build up to the point where they have land that is that is the dream right people say the american dream whatever that is the dream
2: Uh, i have a julius clip over here you guys gonna hop into that before we transition to the next topic yeah man go ahead Oh, well, you want to introduce a thing? What is Julia? What is he talking about?
1: Hi, Mr. Malema. Oh, Jerusha hi. from News 24. Okay. As the official opposition in Limpopo and the Northwest, what is the EFF's priority?
2: Our priority is to put on the table the radical agenda, especially the expropriation of land without compensation. We're going to elevate the issues that oh. affect our people in those provinces, including national. Uh, we're going to put a firm uh, proposals on the table as to what could be a solution to challenges confronting our people.
1: Mm. And tell me, how is the EFF celebrating their 1.1 million birds?
2: <laughs> well, uh, we're very happy. We may not have the means and the capacity to celebrate, That's but uh, <laughs> we, we do appreciate and we're humbled uh, by the support we've received and uh, will not disappoint our people.
0: So yeah, so there as we see in South Africa, there is a whole party, which the number one thing they want is land expropriation without compensation Mm -hmm. from anybody who is not originally from South Africa. So I guess black people from South Africa. Yes. Yeah. And I don't know how people feel about that. I'm sure white people are scared to death about that idea of a party that would come in and just take away all their land hmm But I personally, I don't think the EFF has enough political strength, even in South Africa, to make that happen. But then the ideology- because I think it's a hoop dream. I think the
2: ideology is once, once it's out yeah. there, though, once that mentality is out there, yeah. they don't need the
1: political uh, uh, power. That's true. the people
2: will push for it. Yeah. You know it's what I'm like saying? It's, it's like, so much. He explains himself,
1: yeah. and he's very articulate. Mm-hmm. And as a Canadian, I don't know what's going on day to day in South Africa. Yeah. I listened to him speak for two minutes, so I'm like, oh, it's very clear what he wants to do. He's not a guy who's just oh, like a guy radical idea He doesn't beat about the bullshit. No. Yeah. You know, no, yeah, he's straightforward.
0: <laughs> He'll let you know what's up, yeah.
2: You know what he's thinking. He'll tell you, hey, man, we want to get the land back. And yeah. I think it's, uh, for me, I don't think it's a smart uh, 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 move for South Africa because mm. we've seen what that did to Zimbabwe, right? Mm. So if we're going to take land, we're going to redistribute it to everybody, accordingly okay so everybody make it even right that way you're not alienating a certain group because once you do that you allow other people to alienate you and then exactly. you can't complain about it because it will yeah. justify what you're doing
0: and that's my that was my whole point like i don't think that policy should be revengeful because what happens when policy is revengeful is right now let's say black people we get what we want all right later on when white people are the majority again mm-hmm where somebody else is the majority, they're going to do what they want.
2: Yeah, just, and how are it, you going to become? Feel about that? We're not building a country.
1: We're not building a society now. We're just building, building a certain group, and that exactly. becomes an issue. Yeah, you're right. That's yeah. what's tough, though. Like looking in, like talking about Africa, like post-colonial world, mm-hmm. where these countries were liberated. If you see what was done to these people prior to liberation, and now you see that once they have their liberation and they have their power, now they want to say, "We want to do the same kind of things to you." Oh, you, that can't you, do, did, you can't do that. that that's, wrong. To us, yeah. that's wrong. That's wrong. That's terrible. Yeah, but we, I understand but that. But we
2: fought for liberation saying you can't do this.
1: Mm. They can't do this to <laughs> yeah, us.
2: Yeah. So we yeah. When we get the liberation, us going back and saying we're going to do this mm. to you, it's kind of like, okay, well, what was your point then? It's
1: like you not guys not got here I, by playing a different game. Now the whole game yeah. switched up. Now yeah. we have to play a political game. Oh, you have to wait. It takes time. You have a 40, 50 years of legislation. Like You did this in two years just showed up and took what you wanted. Now we have to wait fifty years to get the same results. Mm-hmm. I I agree with you saying that it's wrong. It's not smart politically. It's not going to work out very well. Yeah, but it makes complete sense.
2: It makes sense, like
1: if you're thinking about it.
2: But if you, if, with, with yeah. the actual, like actually getting stuff done, is going to be.
0: It's not efficient. It yeah. doesn't make. It doesn't make sense from an economic standpoint.
1: I think the reason he's so serious about it, Unpoliject, is because he looks at it and says it might be economically wrong. It might not be the efficient way to go about it. But the alternative is I'll wait 50 years. Or I'll wait 30 years. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather destroy everything in the short term and then fix it over time mm-hmm. than to wait all this time and hope that at some point we get to the same page. I don't
0: that's the pro with with the country like South Africa, you know, when you had Nelson Mandela, he tried to push this idea of inclusiveness and everybody being together. Even the flag, it's about a country divided by race, but they are all together. That's
2: post, post-prison post Nelson Mandela you're talking about, Yeah, right?
0: I'm talking about post-prison Nelson Mandela. I'm not, <laughs> uh, not the revolutionary. Revolutionary no, no, no. Mandela revolutionary. was a different animal. It was a different yeah. beast. I'm talking about the guy who, who spent some time in prison and thought about it for a while. He was like, ah, yeah. So this guy said, hey, we need to be together,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? And it's crazy to think, I think we we're talking about this yesterday. It was it 1994 when apartheid ended? Yep, yeah. you were you were born Apar- in 94.
2: Apartheid ended in 1990, I think, and then 94 is when they got their their liberation or the independence.
0: Yes. Yeah. So, like, you were born in 94. We were born in 95. That's not even that long ago. I know. So, this country, when we see these things happening, and they're talking about you know land reform when it comes to these are fresh wounds. They're a lot fresher than we may think they are. And these things take years to change. So I think over time, maybe they'll, they'll become more together. But even in the countries that we consider to be so, you know, uh, what is the United States calls themselves? They're like the salad bowl or whatever.
2: Mm-hmm. The
0: salad right? bowl. Uh, I can't remember. Or oh, like a mix? Like, yeah, a mix of different, uh, of different cultures and races but really what the united states does is assimilate everybody to be american whatever that idea of america may be at the same time right now you see that people's race and people's ideologies are dividing the country so much even though we believe that you know the more the more diversity you have different type of people you have the more the country will prosper
1: I'm gonna say something that's pretty controversial, but it'll make sense once I finish explaining it. Mm. When you look at the most, uh, if you look at the happiest countries in the world, there's like a happiness index that the yep. UN does, and if you notice, all those countries that are really high up, with the exception of Canada, are all homogenous. It's all the same race, same history, same religion. And what we saw with those 19 families buying 97 acres in Georgia is mm. they're saying, you know what? People who agree with us living all together, it's more harmonious, right? It's more peaceful. So you agree with that, right? Until Ray Ray takes the TV. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't say it. He said it. Bruh. But people understand that when people around you, (laughs) (laughs) you went too far. Hey, that community is going to prosper. I'm voting for that community. They're going to be good. Hey, man,
2: I I grew up in a a country that was predominantly black. And I've seen what all black neighborhood looks like. And it's not what we think it's going to be. It's ridiculous. It's going to be...
1: Not we, what they? I, I they. I said I wasn't going to move into that neighborhood. Go
0: ahead not and for fight, me. I'll go ahead and fight that a little bit and say I don't think it's the blackness. I think it's the corruption, right? It's the corruption that exists. What about Zim? In Zim, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah you just qualified for the it's, it's,
2: it's, <laughs> it's, not, it's not just you Zim, though. A real government for It's long not just now. Zim, though. It's like South yeah. Africa is the same. You go to a black community in South Africa, most predominant, It's it's Okay, I don't want I don't to mm. keep saying
1: that stuff, but yeah. <laughs> know, no, no, no. But I'm saying that... The people who live together, the more alike you are to your neighbor, mm-hmm. the more cohesive you are. What's mm-hmm. happening in America right now is that people who are so different all live in the yeah. same area. They don't want the same things, and they're mm-hmm. fighting. So the whole idea of like, oh, we need inclusion, we need to all come together, that, that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're seeing. Like people are admitting it themselves and saying we want to move into communities where everyone looks the same. But to say that, what that means is, okay, if you don't look like your neighbor, if you don't believe what your neighbor believes in, you should separate but and that's I, something that I believe in, but when yeah. I see the world and see what people are asking for, I'm like, well, clearly that's where you're heading towards
0: where I think you they can't be together. I think unless the you problem agree. is that when it comes to those countries that you're talking about, Sweden and stuff, I think it's a mindset is why they're all the same. More than it is the way they actually look. Really? The reason I say that is you brought up a good example. You said except for Canada. Why Canada? But in Canada, if you see the people that Canada brings in, the immigrants, they're young educated people who really really who are coming from countries that are torn up and are coming yep. here to prosper yes so even though we're different in color we may not look the same but we have the same ideas are the way we think is actually a lot more alike than the way most americans think. see in when you brought that in i believe i don't know if it's i'm not saying that's factual in any way but i think that's why in canada people are the happiness index is quite higher than the United States.
1: I, I agree with you when you say Canada, and the reason I think Canada is so high is because if you look mm. at Americans, like we said before, mm-hmm. these people didn't decide to come to America. Mm. The black people in Canada, for the most part, immigrated to Canada. Talk, the Asians talk. in Canada talk, immigrated to Canada. And they couldn't just show up. Mm. They had a. How long did it take for you to get your papers, your citizenship? Do you know? Do you remember? In Canada? Yeah. Ooh hell! I think it's like seven, eight years, something like that. I think we, I got mine when we were what? I was sixteen. 15? Yeah. And I came to Canada when I was 10. So it's not a slow, uh, fast process where you can just show up to Canada and say, I want to be Canadian. I'm in. Mm. You have to prove, like, what are your goals? What are your income? Can you get a job here? Can you work? Are you an educated person? Are you dangerous? Like, how do you think? Mm-hmm. And then after a long process, you're Canadian. But in America, there's a lot of people who got in there and they
0: didn't have to go through those same checks. Yep. And it's chaos. Yep. And the and- Canadian immigration system is far more advanced than the American immigration system. So there's, there's also that. They care but, a lot like, more about their immigrants, definitely. Yeah, so I think, th- I think honestly Canadians are more alike than Americans are alike to each other. I think when you have a
1: society where, um, not that you restrict people who come in, but you have a vetting process which is proven to work. When you mm-hmm. know that people who are coming here can be productive citizens, that's the most important thing to have. But When you build a society from the ground up where you're bringing people over not to be citizens, but to be chattel slaves. To be workers and workers only, nothing else. You see problems that are happening now four hundred years later, four hundred years in the future, which are so so hard to fix because they're coming from a rooted issue that happened four hundred years ago. You make a mistake in the initial acceptance of a person into your the, country. The division and you can't already fix it. existed. Yeah.
0: It's not like the division was created over time, it was already there.
1: And it wasn't created as in like, oh division between black and white, we can both live in this country. But it was started as we're white, you're black, you're not even a citizen, you're not a person. What was it in Virginia? You're a three-eighths of a person? Three-fifths. Three three three-fifths of a person? Fifths. Oh, yeah. Three-eighths, three
0: bruh. Three-eighths, yeah. <laughs> it's that's not enough. <laughs> yeah, I know it's yeah, three-fifths three rule. Three-fifths is
1: much better. So you don't even account of a person, when they go out and vote, when well, they did get the right to vote, it wasn't even a one-for-one one vote. Yeah. Where when you voted as a black person, you weren't one person, you were less than a person.
0: <laughs> you couldn't even vote.
1: So you can't fast forward now yeah. to 2020 and be like, all right, let's not have these problems.
0: What's going on here? You can't be surprised. Well, I don't, yeah, I don't know if, it's not like the country can just split into black, white, uh, sorry, black, American, Asian American, white, or American. They can't just split themselves apart. So, really, unity is the best way to go, but to get that unity after so much division has happened over time is going to be really difficult. I guess all we can do is just hope for the best and hope that america does figure it out somehow some way but i think as people argue with each other not burn buildings down or tear things up which that's obviously people who are just trying to take advantage of the situation but as people have these conversations in actual meetings and rooms those conversations are going to make that difference over time for sure so Hopefully, the country can come together, but we'll see.
1: And we're Canadians speaking about what's going on in America. I think we always talk about American topics often. Yeah. And at least from where I'm coming from, the reasoning for that is we're so interconnected in this world. And the U.S. is the biggest economy in the world. 350 million people. Like right now, we have headphones on from American company. My mm. laptop's from an American company. These lights are probably
0: American-owned. The cameras are american and as Canadians, we're more affected by what goes on in America than just about any other country in the world. So not just their, their economics, but their social
1: policy has so much impact. So exactly. what they do, a lot of the world ends up following. Yeah. So if they can set a good example, if they can succeed and fix the issues they have, mm-hmm. I think a lot of the world can look at them and say, you know what, this is a way, this is a way forward. Mm-hmm. But if they do it the wrong way, a lot of countries who are developing nations will look at America and say, well, if they couldn't do it, we have an excuse to fail and let our people down, you know what I
0: mean? Yeah. Well, I think that's a solid place to end it. Uh, thank you guys very, very much for coming and listening to the Undeniable Future podcast. It's your boys again, Lee and Justice. I'm feeling it. Signing out. Happens. I feel you. I'm going to see you week nine Some brand new content. That's a good one. We'll catch you next week.